Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Good morning. Welcome back to 106.7 The Fan. Ben Standig here. One hour has flown by. We're with you until 1245 this morning. We'll talk with Al Galdi at 1030 about a bunch of commanders topics. Maybe squeeze in a little Nats conversation because they were that uh, they had some news yesterday as well about their long-term uh, future. I forgot to do this with Doug Farrar, our last guest, so I'll just do it now because we're about to take some of your calls, 800-636-1067. Uh, Doug joined us on the BetQL guest hotline. Sports betting has come to Maryland. Don't place that first bet without checking with BetQL. BetQL analyzes every game to find you the most profitable betting opportunities, Get three free days of BetQL access by downloading the BetQL app or visiting BetQL.com. Yeah, so we want to take your calls. Vic is on the line. I believe he wants to put on his GM hat and talk trades for the commanders. Vic, thanks for joining us on 106.7 The Fan. What's up, man? What's up, man? uh, What's going on? What, what What are you thinking here? So, um... The biggest thing we need to acquire this year uh, in the draft is offensive linemen. Uh, there's no one offensive lineman that stands out to me as a top-tier guy. Uh, there may be a guy that we can get him for the cheap, that we grab him. But I want to get offensive linemen with our new offensive coordinator that is about accountability, that is about doing things the right way, uh, that is about being aggressive uh, with his offense from uh, a level of efficiency I want to I, I want to get young guys that I can mold and shape into that. So if we're even talking about Chris Jones, the Chase Young experiment is over with. It's not about friends. It's not about making him feel good. It's not about he's from the area. It's about business. Chase Young experiment is over with. Put him on the chain block. Kendall Fuller, he is a he gets paid too much money to get beat deep as much as he does. I know he had a a, a, a solid season. Some people would say good towards the second half of the season, but we, but we pay him too much money to get beat. The, on the field side as much as he does. Put him on the trading block. Logan Thomas, put him on the trading block. Uh, you put one of the receivers on the trading block. Uh, you put the, uh, um, uh, uh, the running, I forget the running back's name, that uh, had 1,000 yards when we went to the playoffs. Put him on the trading block. You stockpile the heck out of your drafts, and you get as many draft picks as possible. Now you have a creditable, intelligent football coach in your war room for your offense. And you draft according to that intelligence. You draft according to that football IQ. It is time out for this feel-good, make people think you know what you're talking about, business-minded, mathematician crap. Football thinking needs to go in place. And you draft from that perspective. 
And when you draft from that perspective, you not only will get good offensive players, but you will get the mindset that compares what what is trying to stop us on defense. And you draft the corner, and you draft the middle linebacker. And that's how you continue to build the team, period. Uh, Vic, first of all, I, I've been uh, light on my uh, coffee this morning, so I appreciate you giving me that uh, caffeine boost with the energy there. Really appreciate that. I mean, all right, so the idea of, of the commanders making a bunch of trades, moving off from some of these veterans to sort of stockpile picks and go forward, I think that's not necessarily the worst idea in the world. It's just, I would say, not the reality of where things are at. Uh, Ron Rivera, unless he gets an extension, which is not going to happen. It's certainly not until there's a new owner in, involved. And even then, the new owner may want his own deal. He's got to win now. That's the bottom line for Rivera, you would assume. That he's got to put together a winning season, maybe even make the playoffs to ensure he can stay when there, if there's, assuming there's an ownership change or regardless of what happens. And trading away veterans is probably the, the antithesis of how that's going to happen. I do think there's some questions about what do you want to do with, say, a, a guy like Kendall Fuller long term? meaning his contract, he's going to the last year of his deal, and there's a perfect opportunity to restructure his deal, get some more money from this year, and then move forward. Uh, but you know, if you extend him, then you're putting him on the books for longer term. Um, I, 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 I'm with you, though, 100% on the offensive line. I, and good thing is, I think the team is as well. I think they understand they've got to get that done. At 16, we'll see if the top three tackles, whether that's Peter Skaronsky from Northwestern, Paris Johnson from Ohio State, and then Broder Jones from Georgia is a little bit below those guys in terms of the general consensus, but at the same time, um, those are the three that are typically projected as the first three off the board. If one of those is there at 16, I, I would think that Washington would feel pretty good about taking one, and if not, you know they've got picks in, in rounds two, three, and four. You can address the line there. I think they're going to do that, and I think they'll. The, I, would, I wouldn't be stunned if they take at least two offensive linemen with their first four picks. So we will see about that. Um, all right, let's go to another call here. I'm a little nervous about this one because it says it's a friend from college. I actually know who this is, but nonetheless, we're going to go here. Uh, Paul in Vienna, who I believe, maybe I should say Paul's coming on because he's a noted college basketball bracketologist. He won an NCAA tournament pool in college, I believe, because he made all his picks based on where he knew people that went to school or where he would have wanted to go to school. Does that sound about right? It's the 1990 uh, men's double NCAA basketball bracket that I won from you, and you owe me still. You still owe me 15 bucks. I'm, I'm on for my 15 dollars. Wow, that that is. Uh, hopefully, we haven't been running interest on this the whole time because I don't, I don't, uh, <laughs> I don't make that kind of money here at, at the radio station. Uh, well, my guy, we uh, we, we, we need to talk. For real, off off the line here, so the world doesn't hear what's going on. But uh, what's going on? I, I I know like what you're a Dallas Cowboys fan. You want to like talk about them, or you just want to uh, you know uh, you know press me here and uh, try to make me nervous. What what what, what, what are we thinking? No, Ben, you remember you you know my my knowledge of football hasn't really gotten any better since you know we our college days. But my daughter here does watch the Commanders. She's a big fan. She's got a question. Go ahead, Katie. Do you think the owners will get a new owner this year? New owner this year? Yeah, I think that is the question that everybody in town is asking. Uh, is this the end of the Dan Snyder era? I think at this point, it's feeling like that is going to be the case. Is it? Is it, will it be a straight shot to getting a new owner? 
I, I don't know. Could it be in? The, could it be by the end of this month? Next month after that? I don't know. But it feels like we're getting closer. Will this person, new owner, be better than Dan Snyder? It's a good question in terms of wins and losses, but in terms of feeling good about your franchise, Katie, I, I think probably you'll feel a little bit better because it will get rid of a lot of this ick factor that's gone on around here for the last uh, several years on top of they just don't get a lot of wins. So for your sake, I hope there's a new owner and that better days are ahead. Is that cool? Yes. Yes. Hey, and tell me this, Ben. I heard that you won the, I think it was the NFL um, uh, draft twice. The, the mock draft twice, is that right? And that you're the only person who's ever won it twice? Uh, incorrect, but in a good way. Three times. I actually won it last year, too. So, yeah, uh, I, 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 I tied uh, for the, this is for the, the huddle reports. NFL mock draft contest. I, I was a co-winner last year, so three times. I think only I think me and uh, one other person have done that. So uh, the, Paul is my friend, also my PR rep. Apparently, uh, putting my resume out there. Um, wow! Great, great to hear from you. <laughs> great to hear from you both, Paul. We, we'll talk offline. Katie, thanks so much for the question. You're welcome. Bye, Ben. All right, see you guys. Um, all right, we've got more calls here. Mike in Pennsylvania wants to talk about the commander's offensive line. Obviously, a very important position for the commanders. Mike, what do you think Washington should do about their offensive line? Hey, good morning, Ben. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. Thanks for uh, thanks for calling. Personally, um, I really think they should take DeWan Jones. I hope they can get DeWan Jones from Ohio State. I think they should move Cosme into guard. I really think round uh, the 40, pick 47 should go to hopefully a center. I I knew last year when Rouvier went down, we were screwed. Um, I, I, I don't think people have enough sense or understand how important that center position is. Without the center making the line calls, the protection calls, um, we watched what happened to Wentz as soon as Rouvier rebounded um i'm kind of curious on what you think too my friend yeah mike i appreciate the call yeah you know that the center spot you know look teams are are not exactly excited about telegraphing what what what's on their mind with what they want to get done with certain positions but ron rivera made it clear towards the end of the year that they've got to figure out what's happening here at center it's not just one year two years in a row they've had four different centers now, that's because Chase Rouye, two years in a row, has suffered season-ending injuries. In 2021, it was midway through the year. Last season, it was during the second game, and he never returned. And they eventually were able to get Tyler Larson back in, who also had a season-ending injury in 2021. Larson comes in. He, starts, he, he begins to start games in week six, which was that Chicago game the Thursday night game that they won. And with Tyler Larson starting, we talk a lot about Taylor Heineke's record. With Tyler Larson at center, Washington was 6-1-1. One, and one. Now, I'm not suggesting that that was all because of Tyler Larson, but with a stable veteran at center, they were able to you know help be a, a more a, a solid team all the way around. Then he gets hurt in the Giants game. They lose their next three in a row. I think in general, they've got to figure out the center deal. My sense in talking to some people is that they're still waiting to see where Chase Rie is with his injury. 
he's got a big cap number, so it's not just easy to say move on from him in that regard. It's it, it, there would be I think over like eight million of a dead cap number for him if they released him flat out. So I do wonder about a, a salary reduction. Uh, more than maybe a restructure, but I think that's something they got to consider. And then with the regards to the draft, it, it, there's basically three offensive linemen who are, seem to be in play for 16. Maybe a couple more will come out. Um, Dewan Jones, who you mentioned, the Ohio State tackle, seems more like a day two guy or at the very end of round one, um, but like not at 16. There's not, and there are though interior linemen, late first, early second. Uh, John Michael Schmitz from Minnesota is considered to be the best center in this class. Osiris Torrance, who uh, Washington uh, has met with at the various stops along the way and has a uh, top 30 visit scheduled. Uh, He's somebody to consider if they move down as well. They've got to fix the offensive line, though, and the interior is really, I think, where the the story is going to be. Uh, Last call here before we take a break. Gus in Herndon. You've got a you've got some thoughts for us, Gus. What's on your mind? Hey, man, thanks for taking my call. You know what? Um, I want to hear your take on T.J. Edwards. I think he'd be the perfect pickup. I think linebacker is undervalued. Come free agency, and he's in the prime of his career from a division rival. And um, frankly, the draft it's hard to get a linebacker. It's not a big draft on linebackers per se. We haven't shown the ability to develop any. And also, just want to hear your take quickly on. Um, the fact that Pitino's already being recruited by St. John's and Georgetown's not doing anything about it. <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk plenty about Georgetown for sure here uh, at, later on at the, at the top of the hour. As far as T.J. Edwards goes, I, I'm just looking up here. Uh, you know, Everybody's got some sort of top 100, top 150 free agent rankings. It just pulled up the athletics. Uh, T.J. Edwards, we have as number 43 coming off of a, of a career year. Uh, and Philly... I don't know where he ranks on their list of priorities of free agents, but they've got a lot of decisions to make. This is what happens when you have successful teams. You can't keep everybody, people coming for deals. So they've got a lot of calls to make at the defensive line and the secondary, uh, et cetera, running back Miles Sanders. So I don't know if they'll be able to keep TJ Edwards. Therefore, maybe he's available. Here, Here's my thing with Washington. I, not only do I not think – that they are going to be big players for free agents, in, specifically for anybody who's going to want a lot of guaranteed money on a multi-year deal. I agree with you. They need more linebacker help, but I don't see that being a place where they're really going to invest in based on what they have done the last couple of years. I know they spent the first round pick on Jamin Davis, but they were pretty thin at that spot. Otherwise, I mean, Cole Holcomb gets hurt and then there are other backups for you know, just sort of stopgap veterans on like one-year deals, your David Mayo's, they pick up John Bostick, that type of deal. So I don't see them emphasizing linebacker. Cornerback, to me, is another story, and whether that's in the draft or for agency, I think if they add a cornerback, I think that really can solidify their defense. If they keep Deron Payne and you have that defensive front back with Chase Young starting the year, and then a secondary, that would be I don't want to say loaded, but it would be looking pretty impressive to add if you add a, another corner here. But linebacker, to me, feels like where they're, where they're going to go a little bit lighter. Maybe they keep Cole Holcomb. Uh, so TJ Edwards could be a pretty interesting player. If they prioritize that in free agency, I just don't know if I see that on multiple fronts. Uh, keep calling, 800-636-1067. Say hi to Caitlin if you do it. And uh, we, we're taking more of your calls, talking commanders, NFL 
uh, free agency, and a lot more here on 106.7 The Fan. An all-time banger of a song here from Metallica brings us back in to the show on 106.7 The Fan. Ben Standick here with you until 1245. I probably have neglected to say that if you want to hit me up on Twitter, at Ben Standick, of course, you know, you can follow me there and ask me questions now during the remainder of the show. We'll talk Commanders with Al Galdi at, at uh, 1030. Al, of course, also does a great job of covering all the sports in town, including the Nats. And here, uh, here's a good example of how my brain works as I cover the Commanders. Uh, la- yesterday was a report, remote reports, that the Nats are going to um, extend catcher Kelbert Ruiz to an eight-year, $50 million deal. And we see this happen a lot in baseball where teams will will take a young player and give them a deal that takes them through their arbitration years to give the player a bump up of money there. And then you get more team control to some degree in the later years. Uh, and, and this is what you do for guys you want to keep around for a while. I, I'm not going to pretend to sit here and tell you I know this is a particularly good move or not. If Kelber Ruiz is, an, is a true building block, but he clearly is an interesting young player. It feels like it's a pretty good deal from the Nats based on some people that I spoke with over the last 24 hours. And, you know, cool. I mean, for a team that obviously has lost several young players in recent years, just the idea that they're keeping somebody is great. But again, I always think of the world now essentially through my commander's lens. I used to think of it years ago through the lens of somebody who watched Seinfeld obsessively. Now it's through the idea of watching, the, of covering this team. And my thought was, wait a minute. Aren't the Nats supposedly up for sale? Aren't they potentially going to be sold? I know the learners have, you know, it's been, they've been on the market for a while. I know the Masson situation is mucking things up with potential uh, buyers. And all that, but like, I was like, well, wait a minute. They, despite this uh, you know, situation with the ownership, they here committed some money to a player that, you know, I, I thought the deal was that teams don't do that when the team could be sold, right? That's what's happening with the commanders. I mean, from what I gather, what I've been talking about is it feels like there's a budget, a budget constraints going on here for Ron Rivera to what end we'll soon find out with free agency starting. And so it just got me thinking how, wait, the Nats are putting money down while the ownership situation is unfolding. Isn't that odd? Of course, it's not it's an apples to apples comparison at all. One, the Nats have you know pared their salary situation down a lot by trading Juan Soto and not adding a lot of veterans this offseason. So they're not spending much money. And if this is a long-term deal to benefit them for, you know, with a good deal. Uh, eight for 50 is just such an odd sounding number. You know, typically there's, there's three, the first number starts at least a one, you know, a hundred and something million, not 50, but okay. I would, I would take that kind of deal, uh, for myself. If, 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 you know, the athletic says, Hey, eight year, 50 million, are you in? Uh, Okay. Yeah. Twist my arm. But in this case, it just seemed like an odd number. And then more, but more specifically, it's just odd to see a team that is in some sort of flux with its ownership spend money. But again, the idea of Kelbert Ruiz, that is a relatively bargain deal over the course of time, right? What are we looking at here? A little over six average of like 6 million a year. 
that's not a big uh, deal. Whereas, like, people keep saying, well, why doesn't Washington, the commanders, trade for Lamar Jackson? Putting aside the picks or, or whatever, if Lamar Jackson is wanting a fully guaranteed deal, let's just say $200 million, right? Not only would that money, uh, you know, be on the books for whoever the new owner is, whether they like it or not, a fully guaranteed deal means putting almost all that money into escrow. And that's where the Dan Snyder part of this becomes a, a, a question. It does not seem as if that is something that he would be interested in doing and maybe not even something he can definitively do because of his supposed uh, cash flow issues. There's this large debt that's in play, but that, that's been obviously some of the stories about Dan Snyder recently and why, frankly, he would be looking to sell this team. So that's how my brain works. Kelbert Ruiz signs an eight-year, $50 million extension, and my thought is, wait, I didn't think, you know, what, what's going on here? An owner possibly selling doesn't invest money. Isn't that the deal? Not necessarily, but very different sports, very different circumstances, not a real comparison. It just shows like, again how my brain works, for better or for worse. Uh, somebody who's got a big brain, Al Galdi. He joins us next to talk all things Commanders here on 106.7 The Fan. You never know what life's going to throw you. Who would have predicted several years ago that I would be hosting the radio station and then bringing on as a guest the man who covers all the sports in town, the host of the Al Galdi podcast, co-host of the Nats Chat uh, podcast, uh, of course, a, a longtime fixture here in the D.C. media market, the great Al Galdi. What, what, what a world, Al, that I'm hosting the radio and I'm talking to you this way. What, what Life is weird. Ben, almost as uh, unforeseeable as Danny Boy selling the Commanders. So you never know what life is going to bring you, no doubt. <laughs> you never know for for sure. Um, in the last segment, uh, I, I don't know if you heard it, I brought up the idea of how my brain was working, that yesterday's Kelber Ruiz news about getting this extension, I was like, well, wait a minute. That ownership is in flux. I didn't think, you know, I, I'm used to teams not looking to p- perhaps spend money while ownership is in flux, I know it's a very different circumstances, and the Nats have already pared down their roster. But that is a big question for Washington here going into free agency, the commanders, I mean, is how much is the Dan Snyder situation going to affect what they can do? What's been your take on, on all this as you read the tea leaves and talk to people about what Washington's situation is in terms of spending, knowing Dan Snyder could be selling this team any time now? Yeah, well, I think one of the biggest things from this entire saga that is the sale of the Commanders is the revelation slash confirmation that the Dan Snyder cash flow problem is real. I know that that had been suspected for years, but, you know, you never know, like, what's true, what's exaggerated. And, you know, given the way that things have been reported, certainly given the content of the bombshell report from ESPN now a few weeks ago, the cash flow problem seems very real and you know, may well be at the heart of why he's selling this team if, if he has to repay that loan back to the NFL by 2028. I mean, we don't know what the commanders are allowed to do. I do know this, though. They are well-equipped in terms of resources going into this new league year. The NFL has done the, uh, the adjusted cap numbers for all the NFL teams based on carryover cap space and bonuses, et cetera. And the commanders came in at 10th in the NFL in terms of their adjusted salary cap number for this coming season. You add to that, you know, a pretty decent sized number of draft picks in the 2023 draft. And, you know, this team, if it wants to be aggressive, could be. This team certainly has the cap space 
with which to sign guys to contract extensions, you know, like a Montez Sweat, like a Cameron Curl. But as you've reported with Montez Sweat and, you know, as we've come to know, just because they can do some things doesn't mean that this team is going to do some things. So, you know, I see a team that has the resources with which to do some damage this offseason, but given the Dan Snyder cast situation, given the ownership uncertainty, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, like if you told me they're not going to do much, I wouldn't be stunned by that. So we'll just have to see. All right. Let me ask you this. Let's go back in time to when Ron Rivera first got here. And one of, you know, he wasn't completely hampered by the the salary cap too much. But one of the things that was he had to deal with was, and obviously, you know, rest in peace to Dwayne Haskins, but he he inherited a team that drafted a quarterback the previous year that we knew the owner was was a fan of. And, you know, this is why, you know, going back and trying to say they should have drafted Justin Herbert or Tua Tungavailova over Chase Young, it was not realistic because of that. And ultimately... Unfortunately, it didn't work out with Haskins, and that has sort of put Rivera sort of in a tough spot throughout his time here finding this quarterback. It makes me think, if I'm a fan of this team, thinking long-term, unless I think Ron Rivera is the long-term answer here, I don't necessarily want him spending a lot of long-term money. I don't want him making big, bold trades that compromise me in the future, in part because he may not be here in the future. It may be another owner, another coach, taking over next year. So where are you at on that? Like the short term, you always want your team to win immediately, but long term, I don't necessarily want him to do something that's going to make the next guy, should that be the case, have to deal with the way that Rivera had to deal with stuff. Yeah. So I'd say a few things with that. So I had on a guy who I know, you know, uh, pro football focus, salary cap analyst, Brad Spielberger on the most recent installment of my podcast. And we talked about the general nature of free agency and what I've really come to think, and I don't think I'm alone in this is that the initial days of free agency, that first wave of free agency, it's a sucker's game. And one of the funny things now to me is this annual cycle of teams spend big money, go bonkers in the initial days of free agency. And then the next year in the lead up to the next start of free agency, so many of the guys who've been signed to big money free agent contracts in previous off seasons are getting released. And you're saying, oh, yeah, I remember that signing. Huh, I guess that didn't work out. And like this cycle continues. And so the real value in free agency, and I think we've seen this with Ron Rivera uh, with Washington, the value is in those second and third tiers and signing guys to, you know, prove it contracts, short term contracts, things of that nature. You know, you think of Ronald Darby. You think about, you know, J.D. McKissick. You think about Logan Thomas. You think about, you know, Charles Leno, et cetera. So I would – I'm not some big advocate of, like, the commanders being ultra-aggressive come Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday and just throwing a bunch of money at a bunch of guys. So I guess I would start with that. When it comes to, like, hamstringing the next head coach, assuming that there is a next head coach sooner rather than later, I guess I would just say this. There are big money things that could be done this offseason – that would make sense for a next regime. And those things would be signing guys like a Montez Sweat, like a Cameron Curl to contract extensions. You know, figure, figuring something out with Deron Payne, if you're not going to trade him, then not going into next season with him playing the season under the terms of the franchise tag tender and working something out there. So I think that's kind of what I'm eyeing. But yeah, to your point, you don't want the team going bonkers given Rivera's circumstance. But I would argue you probably don't want the team going bonkers anyway because so many of these free agent deals that get done in the initial days of free agency, it just feels like they, they so often don't work 
and you're overpaying for guys who, remember, were allowed to get to free agency. Like, if you're a really good player, chances are your team extended you before ever allowing you to get to free agency. We're talking with Al Galdi at Al Galdi on Twitter. Um, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, look, the 2020 free agency class was probably the best one that Rivera had. That was, you mentioned some of those guys that they got, or in some cases you're like, huh? Well, what's going on here? But they took some risks. Uh, Darby, one in particular, he, it paid off. But to your point, he then goes and signs a deal with Denver and just yesterday, I believe, was released ahead of free agency. Uh, William Jackson, of course, didn't work out here. Pittsburgh officially released him yesterday. So, uh, yeah, you don't always have to sign a guy to a big a big number to find success, and that's what Washington is going to have to find here. As somebody who I know diligently studies the market, uh, I wrote a story this week about possible free agent targets, including some guys on prove-it deals. Is there somebody, some situation, a player or two out there for you that, you know, based on the need or the player that you think, hey, this is, if I'm Washington, I'm definitely taking a look at this guy? You know, I think anyone who you can get on a shorter-term, lower-money deal who has had success and who has demonstrated an ability to stay healthy, I think is worth a look. I- I'm intrigued you know, I, I know there's been some stuff out there about the commanders potentially going after Orlando Brown. And, you know, again, we don't know if the team is going to be allowed to do something like sign in Orlando Brown. And off what we just talked about, I don't even know if the team should sign in Orlando Brown. Like, I think a red flag is that the Chiefs didn't tag Orlando Brown. So they know him better than anybody. Huck him. They didn't do everything they could to keep him. And, you know, does that maybe sound an alarm bell of maybe you shouldn't be spending big money to sign at Orlando Brown? But, you know, we know that a lot of help is needed on the offensive line. It's interesting to me with the quarterback market. So presumably the team is going to get itself a veteran quarterback to compete or back up Sam Howell, however you want to phrase that. I don't get the sense at all that Taylor Heineke is coming back. I had his college head coach on the pod this week, Bobby Wilder, and Bobby talked a lot about a fracture that emerged between Ron and Taylor off the benching of Taylor late in the season. But whatever you think about that, if the team is going to get itself another veteran quarterback, it's an interesting market because the market really is flooded with like these veteran backup type quarterbacks. Like the list of guys, it's like this, this, this hodgepodge of like mediocre to bad starting quarterbacks slash backup quarterbacks over the last five years. So I wonder if you could get someone out of that mix who could come here and if he has to play for you, you have under the terms of like a pretty friendly contract and who could maybe be good for you. And, you know, you never know with these guys, but a, a name that does stick out to me is Jacoby Brissett. Last offseason, so many of the veteran quarterback acquisitions did not work out. Uh, we certainly saw that here with Carson. But if you had to give a championship belt – to the veteran quarterback acquisition of last offseason that did kind of sort of work out. It would be Brissett with the Browns. He did a pretty good job with Cleveland during the time in which Deshaun Watson was suspended. I know a lot of people have always kind of liked Brissett. And so I think, uh, like, out of all those guys, you know, out of him and, like, Andy Dalton and Baker Mayfield and everyone else who's out there, you know, maybe Brissett ends up picking a, a, a more a, a attractive destination. But I actually think that he would make some sense, and there might actually be some upside with him if he's called upon to play for the Commanders next year. Yeah, I, I think I, I think you're right there in the realistic tier of what they're looking at. I think Brissett and Andy Dalton have been the two guys that I would eye. But the way Rivera has constantly talked about Sam Howell entering the offseason as QB one, and they're clearly going to do whatever they can to help him. It just feels like those guys would beat him out. 
realistically, unless they unless Sam Howe just makes massive strides and it you know so how do you how do you do that? How do you you know start the kid over the experienced guys if they look better? That that that's where I I wonder if maybe those guys are almost too good on some level. Oddly yeah. enough, to uh, to be in a quote unquote competition with Howe, but um, we will see about that. Um, l- let me ask you this: You are uh, as I said, you obviously have been d- d- in this market a long time. You grew up here, as did I. But on top of that, just being you know on the radio and doing your own podcast now. There's always this time of like, we all know that the commanders are the biggest deal in town, but there are stretches where the natural caps get good that, oh, well, maybe now the commanders won't be the number one team in town. And I always kind of scoff at that. And, you know, and here we are, you know, the commanders have had nothing but misery and bad news essentially over the last few years on top of the last 20 years. And yet here they are. They're clearly still the number one draw in town. And especially when you see the Nats and caps go down. From your perspective, what do you think happens truly if the if Dan Snyder sells? Is there even like will the other teams even be? How much will the will the Commanders even overshadow the other teams at that point? Considering what I think it is now. Yeah, I think one of the more underplayed like developments in the Washington D.C. area over the last twenty years, basically during the time in which the skins slash WFT slash commanders have been bad is that you've had this like screaming opportunity for another team in this area to rise up and eat up a good chunk of the attention that goes to the football team. And it hasn't happened, you know, and it hasn't happened for a lot of reasons. You know, part of it is the wizards, you know, being the wizards part of it (laughs) is, is, is like the Capitals, they've been a great success, but of course they've only had the one great postseason run in the Ovechkin era. And, you know, the Capitals are always going to be limited because just there aren't, there's a finite number of people who will get into hockey for whatever reason, you know, good, bad, or indifferent. Like that's just the way that it is. You know, the Nationals, it's still a team that's growing off having not come here until the 2005 season. And, you know, there's still this dynamic in the DC area of a lot of people being Orioles fans because they grew up as O's fans. So like, there are all kinds of reasons for all kinds of things, but like during this time in which Washington, the football team, has been really bad, has had a lot of dysfunction, a lot of ugliness, the team still is the number one sports entity in this area by miles, and it's not even close. And so you think about, well, if the team gets good, what might that mean? And yeah, I mean, to your point, it might increase the gap even more. You see, the thing that the commanders have had during this 20-plus year run of ineptitude under Dan is that they're in the NFL. And while the team (laughs) itself has done well, the NFL has been like this rising tide that has lifted everything. And so, so many people love the NFL and are kind of so-so to everything else to where there still are so many people who just, you know, the commanders are the biggest deal in town. And, you know, it's always kind of funny to me when people are like, well, the commanders, you know, they've lost all these fans and the team is really struggling. And there certainly is truth in that. I'm not trying to say that there isn't, but like, to me, the, the team in town that should be really worried about its dwindling fan base is like the Wizards. Like, you know, the Wizards, to me, have lost more relevance than the football team has. I think there still are a lot of people who follow and are interested in the football team. They just don't necessarily, like, spend money on the team. But that could change once new ownership comes in and if the team gets better. So, yeah, I, I think it's a good point. It's always hard to predict these things. But, like, the football team's been bad. 
the hockey team won a Stanley Cup, the baseball team won a World Series, and we're still at this point at which the football team is by far the biggest deal in town in terms of sports, and I think that says a lot. I, I agree uh, 100%, uh, and you're right. It, these other teams ultimately did not take full advantage of the commanders being bad. Obviously, the Nats, you know, in particular here, just, you know, they just won a World Series. They had these young players, and now they've obviously gone in a very different direction and now feel like they could be a, a few years away from getting back into contention mode. Uh, you mentioned predictions, so before I get you out of here, let's go for this. Whatever you got, uh, the draft, free agency, their own players, anything you got, give me one prediction, one bold prediction from you, what, something you feel pretty confident you think is going to happen with regards to the commanders uh, this offseason. Well, I don't know if this is bold, but I do think an extension for Cameron Curl is coming. Um, I think that that's a guy who they like a lot. I think that's a deal that should cost real money, but shouldn't be some deal for which you have to like go bunkers. You know what I mean? Like he's a good player, but he's not like an elite safety, you know? So you should be able to get a deal like that done. And even with the ownership uncertainty, even with, you know, us not knowing what this team is allowed to spend, I feel like that that's something that is coming. Um, I think there are other deals that should get done, like Sweat, but it doesn't feel like that's uh, anything close to a certainty. So, you know, we'll have to see on something like that. But I think something like Curl getting extended is coming. But, you know, beyond that, I don't know how many other, like, sexy moves are going to happen in this offseason. But, again, what ends up happening is, like, the sexiness comes retroactively, you know? So it's like, come September, October, we'll look back, we might look back upon some on the cheap signings and on the cheap acquisitions that the team made in March and April and May, they say, oh, yeah, like those were good moves, you know? So I, I think that's the kind, of thing, the kind of thing to keep reminding yourself of. I think we've gotten used to the last few years, the team not doing much in the initial days of free agency. But like I said, I don't think that that is such a bad thing. Um, it, you know, the, the question would be, like, are there other things they want to do that they're not going to be allowed to do uh, because of the ownership circumstance? And we just don't have the answer to that. All right. Well, what everybody should do, of course, is go follow, uh, go subscribe to Al Galdi's podcast, the Al Galdi podcast, anywhere you do your podcasting. And of course, when you're listening to his podcast, then go listen to mine, the standard room only and decide for yourself who has the better theme music, intro music. I, yeah. I think it's, I think this is the debate that the town needs to have at some point. I think it's a pretty close call. I'm a little biased, but I think I think I think we're the one and two seed uh, for this discussion. Well, m mine is so bad, it's good. So that, that's how bad mine is. So I, I'll just put it to you like that. Fair, fair enough. Al, I appreciate it, man. We'll talk soon, and uh, stay stay ready. It's going to be a busy week. I think so. I'm excited for it, and I appreciate you having me. Thank you. All right. Of course, the great Al Galdi, at Al Galdi on Twitter. Uh, interesting thing that Al had to say there with regards to Cam Curl, because I think there is something in play we haven't discussed enough about how Washington can keep a lot of these guys and extend them. We'll get to that next here on 106.7 The Fan. All right. Uh, we'll get into some other topics beyond the NFL and the commanders at the top of the hour. But just to follow up on that last conversation with Al Galdi, who, when I asked him, give me a prediction for this offseason, he said an extension for Cameron Curl. And obviously that is something to... Washington definitely needs to be thinking about hard, right? Obviously, their defense, when Cameron Curl's on the field, is better than when he's not. Uh, the, the, the numbers show that. The record shows that. But, of course, this is the kind of deal where, like, well, whatever the money terms are, 
whatever the deal is, I, I don't even want to speculate on what numbers could be. You know, is Dan Snyder willing to deal with that now? It's, you know, in terms of putting money into escrow and things like that, guaranteed money. But here's the thing that I wonder if Ron Rivera and his staff are considering. I, I, I mean, maybe they have more information than the rest of us do about who another the next owner could be. But conceivably, whatever that own, next owner is, that person you would think is not going to come in here and just say, hey, I just bought, spent all the money on the team. Now I want you to spend no money on players. Like you wouldn't think that would be the case. So going back to a few weeks ago, I did a 10-point plan for the Commanders. I think it was 10, maybe it was 11. Point plan for the Commanders this offseason. And one of them was start extension talks with Cameron Curl. Not sign him to an extension. Start the talks. The reason being, when it, should a new owner come in sooner than later, whether that's at the owner's meeting later this month, probably not, I would guess, a month or two after that, at some point, they will have a, a sense of what they can do and how they can spend the money. Again, I'm not a, a 100% assuming Dan Snyder is selling, but certainly things are headed in that direction. So whether it's Cameron Curl, whether it's Montez Sweat, who I reported the other day, appears likely to play out his fifth year uh, uh, rookie comp, part of his rookie contract rather than signing an extension. Uh, even Deron Payne, right? They have until July to get a new uh, deal done there, a multi-year deal. This is what I think a message that, this, that, that, that Rivera and them need to be conveying to the agents of these players and to the players themselves. Those that they want to keep. We want you here. Cameron Curl, Deron Payne, Montez Sweat, whomever else. We want you to be here. But here's the circumstances. There's only so much we can do right now in terms of giving real giving you a realistic contract or having a realistic conversation about that until we have a better feel for the ownership situation. So that's important here. It, yes, free agency effectively starts on Monday, and they're not going to be able to probably get certain players. You can't retroactively tell an Orlando Brown hypothetically, hey, now that we have a new owner, we'd like to give you $20 million a year. You've already signed with somebody else, so we can't do that, unfortunately. But you can with Cameron Curl, who's under contract. Monta Sweat, who's under contract. Deron Payne, who's on the franchise tag. You can go back to these players later and say, okay, let's, fit, let's finalize this. But the key, I think, is to let them know now, here's where we're at. We, we still obviously have to see what the new owner thinks. But our intention is to do this. Keep that in mind as you go into the offseason. I think that's something to keep in mind. They will assuredly uh, sh- lose out on some players in free agency that maybe they would like. But in terms of their own guys, the door shouldn't be closed on getting keeping who they want. They just probably have to wait for the new owner to take control. Um, speaking of new, Georgetown's going to have a new head coach. Maryland's going into the NCAA tournament with their new head coach. We're going to talk about the future for both of these programs and the NCAA tournament on deck here on 106.7 The Fan. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. 
Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.